remember that dad joke about a snail? Go on. Go on. When it's like, um, there's a little knock at the door, and then this bloke opens the door, and, and he looks around, doesn't see anyone, and then looks down and sees a little snail, and he's got a little cup in his hand, and he's like, excuse me, can I have a drink of water? And the bloke goes, fuck off, and just kicks the snail away. And then uh, three weeks later, there's another little knock on the door, and uh, he's like, fucking hell, and he goes out, and he has a look around, and then looks down, and it's a little angry snail again, and he's like, what would you do that for? <laughs> fucking hell, oh yeah, because it took him so long to get back. Oh, that's good, that's yeah. good. All right. So bad. Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast, a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. I'm Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. Time for sausages. And of course, James Clark. Hello. Before we begin, though, I would like to thank the following patrons who donate at the Dreadlord and Devil King levels. That's Ace B, Julian Burnick, Ryan Wayhab, and new guy Jason Duncan. You guys are what's keeping the lights on. So, thanks for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for being part of the Dark Army and for living your darkest, dankest life. But Mm -hmm. um, I'd just like to make an announcement as well while we're here, talking about the Patreon, that we've got a new tier um, for... (laughs) For ten thousand uh, dollars, you can you can be part of the dark god tier, um, and we'll actually you can be the, the the god of us. You will be the Christ mm-hmm. figure of our new dark religion, basically. And mm-hmm. the good thing yeah, about that exactly. is, one of the benefits is that Nick and I will actually make a shrine in your honor and pray to it, so you receive yep. free prayers once yep. a week, and you get to we'll fly you to England to come and uh, play a game with us of your choosing. So that's what, oh, that's yeah. pretty good for ten grand, isn't it? It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. We're basically losing money on that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you've got I'm to be just, I'm just hoping, like, I'm just hoping, like, fucking Jeff Bezos like stumbles across our Patreon and 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 just sees that and like, mm, ten grand. That's pretty a good. Steal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So today we got some good segments for you. We got feedback side. We got the new segment RPG news. Now, what do we call Ooh. it? News punch. Oh, news punch. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got what you say in, followed by the main subject, followed by electro letters. And the main subject this time is going to be how to do a conversion. Oh. How do you uh, convert something to an RPG? Should we do some uh, should we do some bloody RPG news, shall we? There's news punch. News. First bit of news, D&D, right, Wizards of the Coast, they're adding disclaimers to all of their old stuff regarding racial insensitivity. Now, of course, sometimes the news things are going to be a bit political, but we'll try not to comment on that side of things. But nonetheless, yeah, the old products such as Oriental Adventures, because I believe Oriental is now a slur, so you can't say that anymore. So so it's going to have disclaimers saying, I'm really sorry, this was written back in 1975. We didn't We didn't know better. Racism was fun then. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, in, in in addition to that, they've also mentioned that they're going to be updating uh, their new editions or, or, or current products with mm. uh, more, shall we say, racially sensitive uh, types of, like, uh, descriptions of drow and orcs and things like this, okay. which is all good. Um, but I wanted to mention uh, one thing is because there's a pretty cool um, uh, product already doing that if you're... If the racial stuff in D and D isn't your cup of tea, if you think dwarves have really got a bad rap in that book, what you can do is you can check out 
ancestry and culture, an alternative to race in 5e um, from Arcanist to Press. And this is pretty cool because you can have highborn orcs, you can have um, multiracial characters, so you mm-hmm. can get the best of both worlds. If you cool. ever wanted to play a half-dwarf, half-orc, or a half-dragonborn, half-elf, you can do that That's shit. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, so it's a pretty fucking... Yep. Yeah, it is cool. awesome. So mm-hmm. yeah, check that out. Speaking of which, uh, bloody Lamentations of the Flame Princess are putting their foot in it again. Oh, God. Blood in the Chocolate, their adventure, mm-hmm. has had a record-selling weekend. Ooh. But you know why? It's because what? something bad happened. Oh, God. What's happened? So, um, basically, um, Kyle K- Kiel Chenier apologised because he uh, now believes that Blood in the Chocolate was mostly written in bad taste. Um there's a publisher of a game called Lancer, and they refused to be part of the Ennies because Blood and the Chocolate had previously won an award. Now, for those that don't know, this is a um, it's an adventure based on Willy Wonka's chocolate factory of of um, of chocolate making. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, except the Oompa, it is re- it's a really good adventure, good. but mm. the Oompa Loompas in it. I mean, those were those were sort of a pretty much a stand-in for slaves in the original yeah. book, anyway. And in this, they're they're sort of pygmies, and they've been enslaved by this horrible woman. Um, and the bloke who wrote it has now disavowed the work, saying that he did it kind of to be extreme, to fit in with the Lamentations of the Flame Princess model. But, you know, the one thing I find funny about this, or, or strange about this, is that I don't think you were ever meant to sympathise with the villain and what she'd done. No. I don't well. think it was suppo- it was it was framed as being a bad thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Nonetheless, he, he if the guy who wrote it doesn't like it, that's absolutely fine. But the thing is, is that I just found it funny that every time this happens with a Lamentations product, the the the, the let's be honest, um, really terrible Lamentations of the Flame Princess Facebook group will go. Hey, I'm gonna buy another one just to show him. Oh, it's like God. you're you. I mean, grow up. Oh, <laughs> and speaking like- of Lamentations. Here's the best news of the week, guys. Go on. James Raggy of uh, of Lamentations of the Flame Princess, the We've writer. He's selling. He's selling. We have met him, and yeah. he's he's a shrewd businessman. He's come up with this fantastic <laughs> idea of selling an empty box for thirty five euros. What? What the fuck's going on here? What is this? Box? What do you mean? I mean, you mean? It's a, it's a, this is a fucking good box. No, no, it's not. It's a slipcase. So you know, they in Lamentations they release those. Uh, uh, adventure anthologies, which which group adventures together. So they got fire. Oh, with the skulls on the front. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So they've just mm-hmm, released mm-hmm. another one, um, adventure anthology blood. Right, adventure <laughs> anthology blood. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's, it, and it's and so now there's three books, right? So this empty box that you can buy for thirty five euros is a slipcase for all three books. Now I know what you're thinking. Why on earth would you bring like twenty adventures along to a to to a game night? And the answer is, you really wouldn't. And what they've done no. here, cleverly, is made a product that's not only mostly useless, um, but a complete waste of money. So I think that's the news of the week. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, if, it, if, if, if the box had come with the new book, and it allowed you to add your existing books into it with the box, then... That's fine, isn't it? Because you get the new, you know, the new adventure anthology plus a slipcase, and the slipcase has room for the other two anthologies or whatever. Now that's good. Well, no, you can do that. It's just you have to pay thirty-five quid for the box. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I yeah, will not. And we all know because uh, we all know that, like you know, um, some of their stuff's really well priced. Yeah, it is. It's actually really fair, and, and they're really nice products as well. And then they do that. And then they do that. He really dropped the ball. But 
the good thing is about all of this is they're giving away freebies uh, with with um, with the stuff they send, like pens, tote bags, things like this. And okay. they've also all made right. a Lamentations of the Flame Princess bucket, something nobody was asking for. What? <laughs> That's what we all need. The fuck. <laughs> so, um, which, which one is the, which one is the book that's red? Uh, what? Um, <laughs> red and Pleasant the, Land. That one. Is that the one? Is that is that the one that's going for about eight hundred quid on Amazon at the moment? Oh uh, no, Vein to the Earth, isn't it? That's the one. That's it. Why that was it fifty going? pound the other day. It's fucking well. It's it's quite big anyway, but it's because it was it's a Zach S book and it was like pretty much already out of print. By the time he'd done uh, the he'd done the naughty, so uh, that's why it's jumped up in price. Yeah, fucking crazy, isn't it? It's like I mean, it's oh, it's, it's probably crazy. good, but I, it's not that good. Mm. Not worth eight hundred pounds. Anyway, guys, I just wanted to basically I started the new segment to tell you I've ordered a uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess box and bucket <laughs> um, just because that's what I, that's what that I read. That sounds like a song. That sounds like a folk song. Box and bucket. I got my box and bucket. I put it on my lawn. Fill it up with water and pour it on my wife. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the news. There you go. All right, let's do some feedback. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. Um, so we got some feedback for the last episode. We did uh, an episode all about how to do effective horror in RPGs. And Owen Lean, he comes in, but of feedback. See, he's already he started off well. <laughs> what he means is a bit of feedback on this really awesome episode. I think you can create horror with the wrong music. And he's saying this because we commented on you've got to pick the right soundtrack for a horror game, right? Mm. He says, think of an example that horrifying rape scene in A Clockwork Orange. It's made all the more awful by Alex singing, singing in the rain during it. I'm sure there are plenty of other examples of opposing elements in movies like that, but I just can't think of them right now. Daniel Irwin, he also um, responds to this saying, just to echo Owen Lean, the best horror session I did with the PCs investigating an old Air Force listening post looking for a friend who'd been kidnapped. When they got there, it's eerily empty, and the room they came to had a radio playing the chorus line from the police song, Every Move You Make. And... Here's my response to that. I uh, when we talked about picking the right soundtrack, those are both examples of picking the right soundtrack. Mm. Uh, indeed, a, yeah. A well placed, a well placed out of place song can be just as good as you know a, a fully oh, eerie totally. song. That was what, what we said. Oh yeah, totally. And that's what we said, wasn't it? When it when something's not quite right and it's not scary in itself, but within that setting, it becomes eerie. And that's exact. That's a perfect example of that. Putting a what should be a, a normal song in a weird situation makes it all the more scary. So yeah, good work. Well, yeah, and but you know what? Like that's where the um, the child's music box mm. cliche mm-hmm. comes from, you know, because it's it's something out of place, and it's like a creepy child. Ring a ring a roses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, no, a great point from both of them there. Maybe we should have been more clear mm-hmm. about that. Um, we actually got mm-hmm. a couple of people um, talking to us from a site called Reddit. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. N- yeah new yeah. up and coming website. Um, the first <laughs> no guy. The first guy, Walibo. He says, "Great tips. Gave me inspo for my horror adjacent one shot this weekend." Um, oh. Horror adjacent. Nice. Horror adjacent. So it's not scary, but it almost is. To to give to <laughs> give like a, an, an audio um, representation of what that's like. It's not. Ah! It's uh, uh. <laughs> oh god. 
Ryan Quesadilla. He says, great episode. I DK why I never thought to make the horrific monster following the party just immortal. But still, as you said, able to be stayed for a time. I think it instills a sense of dread in the players after seeing it again, but also doesn't rob them of the catharsis when defeating it temporarily. Also just showed Ooh. a friend of the episode you did on the Steve Jackson Secret Service raid, and he said it was wild. Love the podcast and keep up the awesome work. Oh, thanks. We don't have the good episodes, guys. That Steve Jackson one just keeps hey. getting so many more views. And I'm like... I know, it's crazy. What about this episode we did on a um, game with with willies in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hello. Well, I made RPG. <laughs> oh, I brought God. that up in a while. Yeah. I can't believe we got something nice from Reddit. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, that is rare. For some reason, the people over mm. on the RPG group seem to be really nice to us, mostly. Sometimes we get messages mostly. like... Yes, messages sort of like, I can't believe you reviewed Vogue's book. Shut up. Shut up. You're shit. <laughs> All right, Nick. Shut up. Calm down. No, not you guys. <laughs> not you guys, me. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Um, but also, we also mentioned last week that ha- should we... Um, no, the Patreon people, right? There are Dark Army. And should we need any killing done, we will we'll utter a, uh, a code, an activation code. They're like a sleeper cell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ace yep. B, he simply says, if you need any killing done, let me know. I should stress at this point um, that the Dark Army is for comedy purposes only and uh, no real killing should take place. I thought that should... By the way, I can't I can't see him, but Harrison's definitely winking as he says that. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Possibly, I don't know. For but, legal reasons, I can't say whether or not I'm winking, but you know. Yeah. All right? Yeah. You, if you, you know, know you know. Imagine if one day, I, if one day this co- podcast is played in court, I just want to say... Hello. Hello, jury. I'm a stand-up citizen, I promise. Maybe that's why Reddit's got nice, because it knows we've got a dark army behind us. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. got to be, isn't that's it? Point. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. good when people have to bow to you in fear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for feedback. Thank you very much for sending those in. We'll get on to what we've been playing and what you've slain. And I've got a yeah? What you slaying? First up, let's talk about Cypher Destiny, shall we? Should we talk about Cypher Destiny? Ooh. So Let's have a chat about it. Cypher is a D20 Monty Cook game, um, all about um, altering difficulties using assets and ciphers and, and your character's talents. And Nick has cleverly used it for a Destiny game. Um, oh, and yes. yeah, Destiny's a uh, sort of fantasy sci-fi shooter set in set in space and uh, a surrounding planets of Earth. I believe they call it a galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I think so. Yeah, and uh, Nick, tell us a little bit about about recent goings on in, in in your Destiny game. Okay, so yeah, so as I said before, the, so the public image of the Guardians has been waning over the past years in Destiny. So it doesn't really run to the the video game timeline, if you like. This is kind of a little bit more of a made up one but it's um so what they what they, what recently they've been tasked to do is kind of raise the public image of, of of guardians to show the tower folk that you know they do keep them safe but they are actually you know there to keep them safe and protect them because as far as the tower folk are really concerned they don't they never really see them saving them so much they always see them flying off planet and having all these cool guns and spending you know lots of money on keeping them safe but they never really see it so <clears throat> so the leaders of Allah decided that they needed to work on public relations so he told them to take a film crew with them to film some of their best parts uh, while on mission and um, and in the past few episodes we've been kind of gathering cool shots and whatnot with this film crew and then uh, 
he asked them to put together a short movie to um, kind of show what Guardians do. And uh, do you want to call? Do you want to? Do you want to let them know what the name of the uh, short film was called? I actually can't remember, but I think it was that time I got reincarnated as a Guardian. Um, respawn, fate of the respawned, Gaiden the Light. That's, That's the one. it. You can tell <laughs> That's the one. It, it, ha- it so happened to be that on that particular session, it was me. James and one of our other other players, James too, turned up, and we're all kind of anime nerds, so we decided to pick yep. like a, a proper, a fully anime title. <laughs> I don't yeah, proper <laughs> anime trope. Yeah, yeah. So that that was fun, man. And yeah, we we kind of edited together, and um, yeah, we all went at, like went off tower for a bit out into the, the deadlands outside and tried to yep. get some like extra shots. Like I tried to do one of me three sixty <laughs> no scoping, but James fucked his roll up. He yeah. was trying to do it like a sick jump. And he, uh, he, yeah. he jumped and landed backwards, like in the crab I, position. Yeah, landed in, in, in the. Oh, mate, yeah. it, was, it was so funny. So, yeah, so I was getting some cracking shots. They went down, they saw the editor, they told them what kind of movies they were, how they, they wanted the movie to run. And I got them all to kind of describe what parts they did at the beginning, someone else did the middle and the end. And it was it was great. And um, anyway, it premiered um, on the evening, and it was like the opening of um, a big games weekend where it was called Guardian Con. And um, the whole idea was, again, it was like almost like a. You know, a big competition like Olympic Games um, to to entertain the tower folk and show them that the Guardians aren't so bad. Uh, started off with some classic Crucible, um, a bit of um, a bit of um, PvP control, which is PvP. Basically, they went up against another Guardian team. They had to cap points, hold all three points, and that would allow them to basically wipe out the other team. Um, James done a spawn kill, sat on their spawn trap and just spawn trapped them. It's very clever, um, <laughs> yeah, and that was, was great. And then the second round was. Um, a massive sparrow race. Um, sparrows, if you don't know, in Destiny are basically a Guardian's personal kind of motorbikes, if you like. Like flying motorbikes, I should say. Um, and it was a big endurance race, like a kind of Le Mans type thing. And they had to do 100 laps. And it was like whoever could basically keep going. Um, and that was really good fun. <laughs> For any of our listeners that are playing Cypher System out there, I think the way Nick handled the race was very, very clever. So in Cypher System, you, ha- you just similarly to a lot of other d20 games you set a difficulty number and then uh and then players have to beat it basically and what nick did is that each lap as it went on he increased the difficulty and as people failed their roles they were out of the race they crashed or or they were just Mm -hmm. so far behind they basically were uncounted and um yeah that was a really clever way of doing it and we got all the way out to difficulty seven which means that the role we had to beat would be 21 21 yeah mm-hmm. and so at that point we had to start spending our resources to stay in the race and fucking yeah. i'd already jumped from my sparrow onto a onto a mate so he <laughs> elbowed me off like yeah. we were just about to get to the to the um to the finish line he elbowed me off the fucking off the fucking thing but uh, to be Sorry, fair he was uh, i was pretending to be on side and that i was just helping him but i was going to try and leapfrog <laughs> over him at the end so he was right to do that yeah. yeah it was hilarious and what we was doing was it was like um so you could have an action and then you had to do your piloting role if you like to see if you stayed in a race but if you wanted to take an action you could um try and mess with the other players and if, if it yeah. if you succeeded it pushed the other players next difficulty up by one so so like one of them threw some mud in some guy's eyes or was ramming them or i think um james t was it james t was or percy yeah yeah percy was up front harris's character and he had james t like kind of slipstreaming behind him really quietly trying to put him off with that really loud bike he had yeah yeah he was stealth mm. and <laughs> you know, my, the funniest thing was is when the race started we were probably halfway through the first lap and then fucking 
I shot at my brother's sparrow with a shotgun and my brother's reaction is like, what the fuck, man? What are you doing shit? You're shooting at your fellow players. And I'm like, it's a race, you dingus. What the fuck else am I going to do? <laughs> oh, but coming from the guy, it's Sean, by the way, who wanted to put spikes on his sparrow before he even started the race. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Like, is- Nick allowed us, like, uh, in downtime to kind of do, like, we could sort of prepare for the race. And so I went and... Um, I got like an incredible role on this, so it wasn't Nick like like basically overpowering me. But I went and got a fucking um, like a jet engine and put it on my back like a jetpack. Yep. But the, the good thing is, yep. is that we we had a cipher. So ciphers are one use. They're either sort of like plot Item. plot items or or just a mm-hmm. story thing that you can use once. And I had uninterruptible power source, so I used it on my jet engine, <laughs> and I was using that throughout the fight. Yeah. It was like a, a jet. Awesome. It was just a jet engine with like two straps around my shoulders. It was pretty fucking cool. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, and it was going off. So yes, yeah, so it was a great race, and then obviously big endurance race, and then um, uh, who won the race actually in the end? Was it? It was JT. James T. So oh, was it JT? Um, the character was oh. Manuel Lightfoot, who's our who's our Lightfoot. hunter. Yeah. So anyway, so he went, yeah, so he won the race, and then the final the final round of G-Con was a gauntlet, and. Um, the guys were like, oh, come on, we're all shattered. They were knackered from the race, and then their guys of other was like, look, take some of these. Uh, we can't heal you up super quick, so you're going to have to take some of these um, drugs, basically, to get you up to full health. But luckily, the gauntlet was full of um, captured um, enemies to the, the humans and to the guardians, but they'd obviously been kept in pretty bad shape, and by the time they actually come out, it was a pretty easy fight for oh, you guys. We, but... Yeah, we dispatched of them well quick. Mm. Well, but the humans didn't know that, and it was all for their entertainment, if you like. The so. thing is, yeah, they, they specifically said to us to make it flashy, so I was trying to make roles mm. more difficult by doing <laughs> flips, um, or, or maybe yep. I was punching the thing with my fists, even though it was this giant monster, you know, like... <laughs> doing uppercuts. Like, yeah, 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 I did an uppercut on its chin, knocked a bit of panel off of it. But, <laughs> yeah. The th- yeah, the thing is, yeah, is, is that the, the, yeah, and the sort of, the monsters have been declawed, so to speak. So we were just, mm. what we were trying to do was create an entertaining show. It's a bit like bullfighting, where they tire out the bull first. It was a little bit like that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very clever. Yeah, and it was great fun. Um, oh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And then obviously they won. They done three rounds of um, the gauntlet, and then have been heralded as you know champions. And and the tower, they've won the tower over finally. They've you know yep, everyone's yep. So singing everyone their name. That, that, that guardians are cool. And uh, my character has mm-hmm. a, an unbelievably long name. Um, it's Percival oh Gregory God. Nikolai Ramtree. Like all these all these words. So <laughs> the thing is, is he was trying to get a chant going instead of just Percival. Percival. He was like Percival Ramtree Nikolai Nicholas Gregory. Ramtree. Sh- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So they're all knackered, and they're gonna go to the pub for to uh, to, to to celebrate. Yeah, we got free drinks on our employers. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's next mm-hmm. session. We're gonna get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed but, um, it so far. Oh, it's awesome. awesome, and I think that I, I love the setting and the whole convention idea was very, very um, clever and well put together because it was Thank all you. just, it was all just like really fun shit to do in an RPG, like over the course of two games. You know, it was really mm. fun. Wicked! I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. But I've been, um, it. I've been continuing to play my Saturday game, Old School yes. Essentials, ba- basic expert D and D. Um, had a pretty pretty funny one last time because um I, I, my character my character triona lizard dealer he died sadly <laughs> oh yeah um, shit r.i.p yeah he just got absolutely munted off so um i started a new character tell the powerless who was this really really um <laughs> tell the powerless ter- that sounds like an instruction <laughs> uh, yeah yeah exactly tell um, them. i mean he was he was really really terrible 
Um, you know, we went, we went to try and fight these rust monsters. I got my ass handed to me. The stupidest thing was, is that they can rust armor, and there was a magnet in the middle of the room that would magnet anyone with with armor to the floor. And there was a point where I'd forgotten what was going on in the fight, so I sort of um, one of my friends, this guy called Cyrilius, he's he's a um, he's a vampire, and he's basically our leader. He runs into the room, drags me out. My armor's sort of like almost rotted off, but I've still got a bit of it left. And then as he drags me out, it gets to my turn, right, maybe 10 minutes later, and I'm just like, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to run in and punch that fucker. And of course, Jeff, being the GM, he doesn't tell me. He doesn't go like, oh, yeah, you remember what? There's a magnet on the floor in there. He just goes, right, you run in and you smack against the floor. And I'm like, so I just got out of there. And then I went back in. It's my fault. I was being a fucking idiot. I must have been tired or something. <laughs> That is fun. <laughs> Never mind, mate. But fun, all the, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's really good. And uh, my character, Telda Powerless, ended up dying as well. So uh, oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to get out of the gate of uh, of level one. <laughs> the oh, the no. funniest thing is, as I said, we've taken over a castle, right? And the castle has got a dungeon underneath it, right? And part of it is guarded by these two hellhounds, these sort of lava-spitting dogs, right? Nasty. And so... What I did is I put on some of the clothes belonging to the uh, old uh, owner of the castle to ch- go in and try and soothe the dogs, right? But my character had a six in charisma, so wow, he's a f- he's basically the most unlikable person on the planet. So I waltzed <laughs> into the room and I actually said to Jeff because all of us were standing outside the room, nobody was fucking doing anything because everyone's scared of dying. I just went I, right, that's it. I stride confidently into the room. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the dogs. My my charisma roll fails. The dogs bite me. Tell dies. Oh no! So the two guys that were left, they said to us, they were they, they said, okay, well we'll go and investigate this other thing instead because we got another lead about an ice wizard, right? So they they go outside. They call a taxi, and it's my cat, my next character driving the taxi. So I'm nah. now. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. So I'm now playing a, uh, a, a basically a hag, a witch. Whose name I can't fucking remember at the moment, but literally I just went taxi, and that was it. I turned up outside. But Excellent. She's she's at least a bit more capable. I've got cure wounds, cause wounds, and things like this. And I I did kill somebody already, which is and, and just to wrap the story up, it was pretty funny. One of the last things we did, we go into this tomb that was supposedly a tomb of an ice wizard, and I stumble into this room, and it just somebody's just living in there. But I had um. I had Detect Evil on, right? So I shook her hand, and I was just like, hello, nice to meet you, shook her hand. And then behind her, I see that covering a cage of monsters um, that are evil, they start glowing because I've got Detect Evil on. I, uh, so holding her hand, I just went, right, cause wounds. Nearly killed her, and then I just went, signal, signal, signal. <laughs> and the rest of the team ran in, and uh, the hunter just shot him in the head. Uh, and Jeff kept uh, the D- GM kept telling us he was like, okay, so the unarmed woman that you just killed, um, she has this on her. Um, no, that's back in the room where you killed that unarmed woman. And we're like, <laughs> oh, nice. stop rubbing it in, man. I Cheers, thought she Jeff. was going to release evil lizards <laughs> onto me. All right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great game. In a cage for a reason. Sounds oh yeah, really exactly. Good. Nobody dwelling in a cave is good. Fact. <laughs> and also, all skeletons are evil. Can we just say that? Oh, I don't know about that. It's a bit of a sweeping a a comment, horror. isn't it? A bit of a sweeping comment. Yeah. No, you're right, right. In, yeah. in this in this current climate, I don't think it's right to make assumptions about skeletons. Correct. Some of you are right. That's true. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's a great game, and I have to say, this is the first time 
I mean, we, I've played in a lot of sandbox games, but this is the first time I've played in one that really, um, even the GM doesn't really focus on a plot. All of it is made by us. All the plots, everything is made by us. All it is is just a big world for us to explore. There's uh, and and there's so many adventure hooks going on at the moment that we don't That's know which best. one to do. So yeah, it is a it's such a fucking good game, man. I'm, I'm I enjoy the hell out of it. So um, and I think uh, old school essentials, the the uh, box set. It must be uh, must be bought because it's it, it really really gives a lot of freedom to to players and is a very simple but good a system pl- with a, a player just a powered crunch. game player powered game yes exactly I mean the thing is when you when you have a game where you let players on the loose they're always mm-hmm. going to have fun you know what oh, I mean and so, and so are you as a GM let's be honest normally <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> unless you need new but, friends. Um, <laughs> Fucking um, James, you've played a bit of old school essentials. Um, just a- as a system, what do you think it. of it? Uh, it reminds me um, quite a bit of the nicest parts of DCC. I was about to say, out of DCC, it's, it's rules light um, mm-hmm. in, in that regard. Like you know, it's pretty simple to grasp because um, Layla played it when we'd had our outside social distance session uh, the other James's day. James's daughter. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, oh, was that really, what you really guys good. were playing? Was you playing old school essentials in zip open spaces? Was that? An, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's the way. It's because yeah, yeah. yeah so he chose a system that was just a little bit um, easier, and mm. it actually fit really well um, as well. So it, it's, it gives you a lot of freedom, dependent on obviously what you what you plan on doing. But it's super, super, super easy. For correct me if I'm wrong, player. but this is an old this is an old rule set that's so good it's stood up to the test of time. It's basically it's basically kept the entirety of the OSR floating because most OSR games are a clone of of this game. Smash him. Um, well, not not old school essentials, but old school essentials itself is a clone of basic expert D and D. Yes, I know that which one. Is, which was an old version of D and D that had it had a basic version, an expert version. You can combine them together, yeah. and yeah, it, it's 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 a fun it's a fun game, mm. and and like you know, I've never really gotten into a game where you have to roll under your stat to. Um, to succeed, mm. um, but in this game you do, and actually it's really fucking good because yeah, if awesome. you've got an eighteen, you need to roll under an eighteen to succeed, and then you can have a plus four if it's easy or a minus four if it's hard because it go it adds onto your stat rather than uh, the roll. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, so it's, it's it, banging. Imagine that 18, 18 plus four. That's it. You've bloody you've you've done it already. And that means, yeah, so if you've got a high score in something mm. and you're adding that plus four, you know, if you're trying to, it, it sort of favours, I guess, strategic ways of doing mm. things or, or it makes it more obvious for players, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun fucking game. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the piss out Good. of it. So yeah, and uh, check out the Necrotic Gnome store. Yeah. I nearly bought a t-shirt with a Necrotic Gnome on it the other day. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I might um, might treat myself, put, maybe put, put it on my Christmas list, but I definitely like the, uh, I like the box set. It's very nice. Very very nice indeed. It's it's beautiful, mm. man, and it's just nice because you know every time I run a fucking game, I print out the rule book and put it in a binder so that um, so that I can have a copy to hand out to players if they need yeah. it. And this book, like everything's you know sectioned into its own little book. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to hand out the spells, I just fucking hand Lovely. it out. So yeah, yeah very cool. very handy. And it's also done in a really modern style with no bullshit. So for example, a goblin. There's no big entry on a goblin. It just says. Little green guys that dwell in caves. Here's the stats. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yes. 
Yeah, um, you fill, fill in the gaps yourself. Short and sweet. I've just got. To, I've just got to quickly talk about TriCube Tales, um, mm-hmm. our sponsor for this episode. So um, that's not actually sponsored, uh, but he did send us a free one. So pretty much, he's going to yes. get a good review. Um, Richard Walcock, oh, yeah. designer of Saga of the Goblin Horde, has made a super simple game called TriCube Tales because it uses three dice. So um, it's a really fucking cool game. And what he did is he, he utilized uh, phone-sized PDFs, which is a new thing drive through RPG were doing at the time, and decided mm-hmm. to make a phone-sized PDF um, based on a game that he made to play games with his son, who's like one or something. I think he's a bit older than that. <laughs> but anyway, a bit older than that now. <laughs> the, the game is really simple. You just kind of pick an archetype, a descriptor, a quirk, and a flaw, right? And then you roll 3d6 against a target number from um, 4 to 6. So 4 is uh, easy, 5 is routine, 6 is uh, hard. And what you want to do mm-hmm. is get one dice over that amount. And you can have between 1 to 3 dice at a time. Uh, depending on what's going on. So if you do something oh, based mm. on your on the class you've picked and your attribute, you get three dice. Um, if it's something you have absolutely no, nothing to do with, like maybe your floor is represented somehow in this role, you get one dice. Yep. And um, I see. That's pretty much it. And then like sort of health and your your reroll tokens, it's all represented by tokens because he wanted a visual aid to to use uh, mm-hmm. for his son. Um, and yep. it's it's really really fucking good. So if you were creating a character, all you do is you go, I'm playing a gunslinger who's really brave, and his quirk is that he um, can smell a type. He can identify a brand of tobacco by smell. His flaw is that he <laughs> hates uh, tobacco. Z- 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 yeah, he hates it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, I don't know, yeah, so, something like that. And it's it's just super fucking simple. And then there you go, you've got a character. And I think it's a good one for if you're going to whip out a game that you play for an hour and a half or two hours or something like yeah, that. Totally. Well, yeah, totally. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing that is not super fucking simple. Go on. Go on. Richard Walcock's brain. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. You hear that, Richard? Genius. <laughs> Um, so yeah, big brain. Th- he's got a big brain. He's a fucking great game designer. So this try Tales, tales. Um, just check it out because you can fit it in your fucking pocket. Uh, well, it will mm-hmm. be if you get the phone version as well, and you can play it mm-hmm. at a moment's notice with minimal materials. So yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah. People love you for the it. The actual book itself is um, it's like uh, shirt pocket size. Isn't yeah, it? it is. So you could keep it in your shirt pocket. You go to work. People are like, what's that? And I'm like, sit down, get a pen. Like, well, then you'll see lunch. on our lunch break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that'd be so fucking cool to play D&D on your lunch break. Actually, no, it wouldn't because when, yeah, would. when I was working my last job, I just played D&D while I was supposed to be working. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, no, it wouldn't. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what got you back up. into that's it, isn't thing. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. um, right, let's fucking uh, let's do a main subject, shall we? Please, me. Subject magic main. Subject Tokyo main. Subject subject. Okay, okay. So you want with my permission? Shut up, James. God. (laughs) God. Fucking hello. Do you remember when people used to do that as a kid, where they'd add that? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my god. 
fuck's sake. <laughs> actually, we are actually, so annoying. No, we've got a funny story to tell about that. This is so unrelated to the podcast, but it's really fucking funny. Um, we used to do this thing to annoy one of our friends, where we'd come up with nicknames for him and ask him if we could call, like, refer to him by that name, right? So he'd be like, "Yo, yo, can I call you Chungus?" And he'd be like, "No, you can't call me Chungus." And there was one point where James went, "Can I call you? Can, uh, hey, hey, name here." He goes, "Hey, can I call you?" T-? And the guy goes, "You can't call me." T-. And then James went, "James went, oh, no, it was." T-. And he goes, "Well, you can't call me t-. then." <laughs> All right. It was so oh, funny because he shouted so loudly, "You can't call me t-. then!" <laughs> yeah. Oh God, what a stupid oh. story. We were idiots. Oh my God. <sighs> All right, so. Still are. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting. So, you want to run an RPG based on your favourite show, Seinfeld, or your favourite book, Seinfeld the Novelization. But you take a look at the internet and there's no Seinfeld RPG. Or maybe you turn to an open system like GURPS and find there's no fan made GURPS version out there. Or that the fan-made stuff is just plain shitty. We've all been there, and in fact, I was there last night when I found that the only earnest attempt to adapt Resident Evil to an RPG was using Genesis. Dun-dun-dun. Oh, no. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. And that's probably the worst possible system for that setting. So, what do you do then? Well, if you want to play Seinfeld as an RPG, you're going to have to do it yourself. And while it's easy to look at some fan-made adaptations and think converting your favourite media to an RPG is a monumental task, I can assure you, it fucking isn't. And we're going to demonstrate today how to adapt everything you like to an RPG pain-free. Um... How we're going to do this, um, what we've done is we've picked... Uh, James is going to give his comments on a player, what he likes to see from an adaptation. Me and Nick, we we uh, like to GM, so we're going to talk about how we would do an adaptation. And we both picked the same property to uh, to, to do because we think it would be we interesting <laughs> to kind of uh, yep. see, see how each of us would adapt it. And the property that mm-hmm. we picked is Bioshock because it's something both of us Ooh, yes. are intimately familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that means before we get started, I'll have to give a quick rundown as to what the Bioshock world is like, and what Bioshock is, and can it be used Ooh. as a wall insulation? <laughs> so, maybe. This, we're asking the real questions here, okay? <laughs> Alright. Bioshock is a video game released in 2007 by 2K Boston. It's set in an underwater city called Rapture, which was created in the 1940s. It's a sprawling network of vast, deep-sea, transparent tunnels and open areas. It's billed as a kind of utopia and was founded by the objectivist businessman Andrew Ryan, who bans all contact with the outside world and wishes for a society to exist outside of governmental control. Down in Rapture, science advances hugely, and the discovery of a substance called Adam is made. This genetic material found in sea slugs basically grants superpowers akin to magic, and these substances which are distilled and made into plasmids are injected into the user. So you inject it, you get powers. Everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. And the example it gives actually in, in the game, in the loading screens, is there's one... I think the spell is called Pyro, and it's like you can shoot fire out of your hands, uh, but the mm-hmm. loading screens show that, that in-universe adverts for it, and it's like a guy lighting a cigarette, 
from his own hand. It's really good. It's it's, uh, it's very uh, if you if you can picture um, Vault Boy in them kind of little adverts for superpowers, it's very much akin to that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With them it's, kind it's, of got that proper information video feel to it or whatever public service broadcast bit feel that's to exactly it. what it's like yeah 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 <clears throat> so um anyway the utopia of rapture obviously doesn't last long as a former gangster called frank fontaine plans a coup to take over rapture fontaine gets immense wealth by doing black market deals with the surface world and ultimately creates cheap plasmids by implanting adam slugs into little girls called little sisters Anyway, Fontaine tried to attack Andrew Ryan, failed, and then Ryan took his factories and shit. That's what happened, so don't try it. Anyway, (laughs) turns out there was a second coup by a bloke called Atlas from the lower classes who led an attack on Andrew Ryan, targeting the factories that held Little Sisters. The trouble is, Andrew Ryan responded by creating steampunk mechs called Big Daddies. And these fuckers have state-of-the-art weaponry, drills for hands, and their plasmid-enhanced pilots are surgically woven into the machines permanently. Mm -hmm. Additionally, Andrew Ryan fought back with splicers, obedient plasmid zombies controlled by pheromones in Rapture's air conditioning. Anyway, long story short, Atlas attacked Ryan on New Year's Eve 1958, and so many people died, the utopia crumpled, and the few people that were left that managed to cling to sanity went into hiding, trying to survive in a destroyed underwater city, where insane mechs and zombies roamed the halls. And in the game, you play a bloke that crashes in the ocean, he ends up there, oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear. So, yeah, yeah, and you basically, the gameplay is like navigating a city, shooting shit, injecting yourself with superpowers, and, and trying not to die, basically. And it's a horror game, which we like. So Yes, it is. That's yep. what I'm talking about. So, yeah, Bioshock. Nick, give me the lowdown, right? You wanna, you, your players are begging you. Nick, I want to run a Bioshock game. Not run it, play it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If the players want to run a game, I'll be like, right, we've got this all wrong. Um, yeah, so, well... Straight up, familiar, familiarize yourself with the um, with the content. Obviously, um, if if you if it's something that you're familiar with already, then all the better. But do a little bit of homework or replay the game. In this instance, with Bioshock, get a feel for it straight away. Um, we're quite lucky with this kind of medium because it is a computer game, so it's kind of immersive to start off with already. So you've got a bit of kind of framework done for you straight away. Mm. Um, but yeah, what would I? So I would obviously understand the the tone of the game and try and move that over to a, a role-playing game um you know especially if people are already familiar with it they want to say like, like we're saying bioshock they know the game they know the kind of how creepy it is and stuff well, so this, this is what i was that. saying about fucking genesis and resident evil it's a really poor choice for a system for a game very bad it's, it is really bad for a, a horror thing like that i mean because yeah Genesis is all about taking five years to fucking roll and, and, and coming up with all these story reasons. And Resident Evil isn't a story-heavy game. It's exploration. It's killing. So a yeah. system choice for you, Nick, what would it be? 100%. Um, so system choice for me, um, for Bioshock, well, Cypher would work. I know, obviously, because uh, yeah. I keep saying Cypher. But Cypher would work for that. You've got... Um, you know, you've got you've already got mechanics in place for like the items for the plasmids, especially. I mean, to me, plasmids because they're permanent. That suggests to me spells. Yeah. Um, in a way, so that's how you would use them mechanically, and obviously just dress them up as plasmids. But they would, for me, work much like spells. But yeah, I reckon either cipher, or, I mean, Cthulhu could work. Actually, but... that that's a pretty that's a pretty good shout. 
I didn't really think of that. Mm, yeah, that sounds quite good. Because it's actually. a very investigative. I mean, the whole premise of Bioshock is that classic, the thing that I absolutely love. Where, and I would do it the same as the players starting them up. You know, it, like, much like the video game, guy crashes in a plane, he lands into the water. Uh, you know, washes up on Rapture, has to discover it. What happened from an outsider's perspective, and that would be the absolute tone of my game: investigation, not knowing what's going on, and trying to understand the world. So I wouldn't explain rapture to them i'd let the players discover it all themselves, and depending on how deep they go into the investigation would govern how much of the, the world and the story they uncover obviously there'd be a lot that comes at them so they'd understand that way but if they wanted to take their time to look into it because because the thing about bioshock is it is absolutely full of art deco nostalgic kind of swinging 40s or was it or whatever you know 40s and 50s kind of well, time I can't period remember, music i can't remember if it's actually set in because it the, the rapture basically got fucked up in 1958 and i can't remember if it's yeah. like a, a guy from modern times who ends up there i'm not sure to be fair it could be i mean well, I don't it think could be it's... either because then you could use modern cthulhu or or old old cthulhu kushka yeah exactly so they both work or even more fun if you are if you've got mo- <clears throat> if you're a modern from a modern time but you're going to rapture and it's obviously because with rapture it's frozen in that time it was created so it's almost like going into a, a time warp anyway. So it wouldn't right, really, right. I mean, it could be an interesting angle if obviously you bring a little bit of tech with you from the normal time to give you a kind of little bit of, an, not an advantage, but at least a more of a level playing field against these, you know, mutated monsters. So that would be interesting, especially because, yeah, it's sometime after in this place, this rapture has just been like, you know, fermenting for years under the sea with no outside interaction. So yeah, I, I would definitely go down the investigation horror angle for Bioshock, 100%, I think. Well, yeah, because there is a yeah, there is it. a bit of that in Bioshock actually. Um, kind of like there might be points where, for example, you're trying to find the location of something, so you have to venture over to a certain bloke's old office and find notes on mm-hmm. his desk and shit. And I actually think that's a really cracking idea. But um, yeah, that let's would say, be fun. Let's say, for example, then okay, so you've picked your system, you understand what your players are going to do, you're trying to keep the tone consistent. How then do you go about statting the monsters and the ship from the game? What would you what would your strategy be, Nick? Well, if I'm using Cypher, it's uh, very, very nice because obviously you just give it a level, <laughs> which is really, really, really simple. And obviously the level just determines how powerful the monster's got to be. And I would sta- I would just stick true to the game. So, you know, like you said, big daddies are walking around. They're basically, for, no one, for anyone who doesn't know what a big, big daddy looks like, you know, them old kind of deep sea diving suits where they used to have like a porthole on the front. Yeah. They look like giant things wearing them, basically, with, like, drill hands and stuff, like you said. So, again, they would be, you know, they're armoured, they're heavy. I would just level them up with using Cypher. Um, and then anything that they have as moves within the game, I would then trap as moves in, yeah, within Cypher's system. So, for me, it'd be pretty pretty straightforward, I think, for the statting. Just take them straight out. Just straight, all the creatures. So, get all the enemies from Bioshock, because there's loads in there. They're all pretty unique get Phil if you want to make some of your own by all means you've got the kind so of so you're saying what there. you might do is like you just take a monster from the book say Cthulhu or Cypher and then just just um, truss it up so it, it's basically you just take the stats of something and then that's what it is in the game you just rename it yeah. re-describe it yeah I'd rename it uh, yeah and some of the moves I'd obviously if it's got like unique signature moves then I would obviously add them or mo- 9 times out of 10 you'll find some sort of um, you know move a creature can do that's kind of similar uh, and if it's just described a little bit differently the mechanic's going to be the same isn't it Cypher's nice and easy does a flat amount of damage depending on what the what the move is so you know quite straightforward If you, especially if you're 
tied for time or you want to try and get this off the ground quite quickly then again you know you've got a beastie, bestiary already in cypher um it's quite a range of different creatures and monsters and you know you're going to link up the creatures from bioshock to one of these so that's because well, nice, i'm fairly certain i'm fairly certain they'd all be represented in cypher i mean what's a splicer it's a fast zombie um what's a guy exactly. with a gun well it's a guy with a fucking gun and a big daddy <laughs> yeah is to pick any big fucking really hard to kill monster from the book and and just give it a fucking really deadly few attacks, you know? I think there might even be a mech in there as well, so you could use it like that. Well, it is a fucking a mech, mech, so yeah, why, why the hell yeah. not? So that would oh. be that, yeah, and that's and that's that's how I'd step off with them. And obviously, you know, if you want to put your own little twist on it, or you've got some kind of cool ideas, because once you've statted a few monsters, you'll start wanting to make more. Of course, you do. We all do as GMs, don't we? So, right, right. You, you know, you can you can have different variations of the same type of creature, but maybe one of them's a nice one. Maybe one of them's because the the beauty of Bioshock is that all these monsters and creatures have basically messed about with their own body so much with these plasmids that they've become so crazy and mutated that. All of them have different types of powers, so you know it's, it's endless. Think magic. You know, one of them maybe explodes, like in Destiny. If it's if it's um, if it's killed, it's an exploding type one. You know, that all oh, comes yeah, yeah. once you've got your once you've got your framework of your enemies. You can then start adding variations because there's so many variations in Bioshock. So it makes it really straightforward. And just think of you know that claustrophobic feeling. Really push that feeling of you're underwater. You know, one of these one of these tunnels could just cave in at any time. You know, there's no maintenance been going on in Rapture for years. The place is crumbling. Make that make the players feel that, you know, that 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 damp smell, the dripping water, the 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 dead ends, the you know, seeing all the big um sharks and fish floating past the open tunnels to make you feel really kind of so, insignificant and out of your depth. So <laughs> pun intended. Realistically then your conversion is actually quite simple. You're just gonna it's all flavour for you and Yes. That's about it. For me, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, with Bioshock, I definitely um, consider the plasmid side, and obviously with the with the whole um, uh, players being able to mod their self to however they like, that would be fun as well. So make sure there's plenty of plasmids. But again, you know, Cypher system works perfectly like that. A plasmid could be a um, artifact, or it could be a uh, cipher. You know, um, it could be a temporary one that gives you a temporary molecular boost to some sort of you know to your body in some sort of way but yeah no i would definitely bring the flavor in an rpg a plasmid can just be a spell as you said but the thing mm -hmm. is what you can do is is you've got a lot or loads more plasmids than the the actual game has there so exactly cool. yeah of course you have exactly so you could add more and yeah so that's it would definitely be flavor wise i mean and again you know and the, the beauty of a computer game is which is like with destiny which i really enjoy is you know the, uh, computer games are made up of plenty of missions yeah. and all the missions have a small story to them so use them you know Just, you don't have to wholesale steal them but you can use the storylines from the video games that you've played and just change them to make them an interesting RPG game. My brother does that with Fallout. He just wholesale just take. He just has the wiki open and just takes the quests out of yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. See, I like to put my own little spin on it a little bit. So I would probably take a mission like some of the missions that you guys have done in Destiny are some way related to video game missions, but I've kind of changed and put my own spin on them. But you've got that hard work done, so don't get disheartened that you've got to write a whole game and a whole system and make your favourite content work in a game it's not the case most of it's probably been done for you it's all flavor i mean the thing is if you're mm. looking down at a monster in your book the players don't know that you're actually looking at the entry for ogre and they're fighting a big daddy because you've told them Precisely. they're fighting a big daddy that's it exactly that and that is the biggest thing for me is that feel that feel and that flavor all right well i think that's pretty good i think actually we're kind of similar in that regard where it's more about flavor than it is making new shit up but 
Here's yeah. how I would do it, and I think I think some people are going to say that I'm I'm it's a bit of a cop out, but so my first my my big tip, my big 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 fucking tip for 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 all uh, conversions and adaptations because I've done a couple is mm-hmm. distill the nug, okay? Oh, so you've got you've got to understand what's good about that game and and how it works in an RPG. You've got to cut out the elements that don't work. Um, and mm-hmm. don't necessarily try to adapt everything that made it good as a video game. Rather, try to understand which aspects will work when you're playing at a, at a table. To give a, an example of how somebody did it badly, there was a Batman campaign that we played in a while ago, or a Gotham campaign, and the guy had no experience with Batman, but he, he was basing it on the video games. And in the video games, countering attacks is a big thing. Now, I thought it was a genius fucking idea when this guy used Call of Cthulhu to run his game because it fits. Yeah. Gotham is very noir, and I th- and we were playing mm-hmm. street-level, pretty normal dudes. And as a result, I thought it was a great choice for a system. But then when the combat started up, which isn't very good in Call of Cthulhu, and he put in this stupid yeah. crap system of countering in there because it's in the video game. It doesn't fucking belong in Call of Cthulhu. It doesn't belong in an investigative campaign set no. in no. N- noir, you know, city so mm-hmm. that was an, uh, um, an aspect of what I've seen and it's done badly and what you need to do is get aspects from the game that do work in a tabletop and Bioshock yep. is a blend of exploration, interesting tactical combat with the use of spells and shit and horror mm-hmm. and all of those work mm-hmm. in an RPG so it's a pretty good fucking choice but certain elements don't work and needn't be converted, for example in Bioshock there's a respawn system and they give an in-universe reason, not just load your last save, but actually when you die, you get molecularly remade in this pod. Oh, in them chambers. Yeah, that's right. I would strip that right yeah, the fuck interesting. out. It's, it, oh, no, gotcha. It, it, it doesn't work. It's interesting, but the thing is, is that there's no horror um, when you've got that setting on, so I always turn it off. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you... If you're just gonna come back, then you're just like, ah, oh, I don't like this bit. I kill myself. Yeah, I mean, go to respawn somewhere else. Exactly. And, uh, avoid Des- it instead. In, in Destiny, it works because that's the whole thing of you guys being superhuman and your ghost that can respawn you. And again, there's still kind of rules within that to make it not easy, but well, that well, it does work. We're trying to save humanity, so the way it works there mm. is that we could still fail a mission. All of us could die. Mm-hmm. We might respawn. But it gets harder and harder to respawn as we go along. Yeah. And if we if we yeah. fuck something up, humanity gets fucked. But it's a different game. That's a game yeah. about heroics, you know. And uh, heroics, yeah, precisely. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I just don't think the respawn thing def- definitely wouldn't fucking work. That would another, go. another yeah, aspect 100%. is the little sisters in the video game. They're each paired yeah. with a big daddy that protects them. And so to, so to get the girls and either harvest them or rescue them, you have to take on a big daddy. And if you harvest them, therefore killing these little girls, it's a pretty grim game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, get- well, you have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. You can either kill them or you can save them. If you kill them, you get more of what you're trying to get out of them. If you save them, you get less. But obviously, you know, ethically and, and you feel morally is like, yeah, you know, I saved a little kid. <laughs> right. But that's the, the choice that you have to make within Bioshock. Which and is that, that works. <laughs> but I don't think it necessarily translates to an RPG entirely well. Because here's why. The idea of killing big daddies, these new ultra-hard mechanical nightmares, to get new powers is interesting. But the trouble is, is that that's going to become stale pretty fast, especially once the players figure out a way to kill them. It might take a while, Mm -hmm. but I think what you've got to do in that case is, is try to 
try to vary it. That's what I would do anyway, uh, is that I've got yeah. two simple fixes for this problem of it being repetitive, right? And the first is that I'd have a larger variety of big daddies, maybe even mm-hmm. some, some lesser types that protect a single little sister in a group um, yep. and some ultra hard ones that maybe protect a group of little sisters. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a mission to retrieve one that hasn't got its big daddy with it. And she's like running away in vents and things like this. You know, like. That's what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. I like the little sister idea and it's great in the game, but it would be more of a uh, mission or story plot point rather than an actual mechanic for me. Yeah, yeah. And all, all like loads of different uh, uh, missions or whatever. And my other mm-hmm. idea is simply to design interesting encounters regarding little sisters perhaps one like i said Mm. that's lost her protector or one that's been Mm -hmm. captured by splicers and is minutes away from being harvested by all of them you know something like this like loads of different ways to collect them throughout the game would be Mm -hmm. would be fine yeah um and yeah and and you know that i'm fully aware james as a person that doesn't know this game the fact that you kill little girls to get power is fucking horrible and believe me it caused a lot of fuss (laughs) at the time when the game came out (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm sure it did. It's fantastic. I'm though. sure it did. I mean, to be honest, though, I, it's something like uh, I know we're talking about um, adaptations, but that kind of gruesome, sort of really sort of messed up stuff is something that I quite sort of enjoy. I'm not saying I'm going to enjoy killing little kids. I'm saying because it's like thematically, it's messed up. It's like, oh my god, this is so messed up. I the thing it. is, in the in the game as well, the, you don't see what happens, but the animation. The screen kind of blacks out when you do it, but it's sort of it's a first-person mm-hmm. game. Your right hand comes up holding the little girl, and the other one sort of forms this like claw, and then it, and it, you just your hand just sort of and dashes she's like, towards no, her. No, no, it's, no. It's fucking horrible, oh, man. Yeah. But it's it's, it's good. So you don't see it, but you know you've done the bad. You hear yes, it yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's decent. Like, I understand obviously the game mechanics behind why you do it, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I can understand why it caused that stuff. But the cool thing is though, um, spoiler. Um, the cool thing is, is if you get to the end without having killed a single one, a bunch of them come out and help you. So it's pretty fucking cool. Mm. Yes, anyway, indeed they do. Yeah. Now I've kind of got like the essence of the game I want to run. It's going to be an exploratory horror set in a dead civilization, and the acquisition of powers by fighting big daddies is going to be a big part of it. So how do I go about translating that into a game? Uh, well, uh, appropriate systems, statting, all of that shit, and figuring out any new class options. Well, my ma- method is basically a bit of a cop out. But it is the simplest way to do it, and it's quite similar to Nick's. And I've had a lot of success with this method. And the method is, I don't really do any of that. Okay, so if I wanted to run a Bioshock game, I'd just take the themes and story and convert that exactly the same as Nick. So let's say my system of choice is old school essentials, which you've been talking about, basic expert D&D. I keep everything the fucking same, but I ban magic users and say maybe it's a a low magic setting. Require mostly, uh, sorry, Rapture is mostly the same thematically, except Andrew Ryan is actually Andrew Thundermaker, a dwarven king who fled to traditional <laughs> society and started an undersea fortress with the help of the brightest yeah. minds in dwarfdom. Plasmids, nice. plasmids right. now have the same name, but they're potions, and instead grant the imbiber one new spell appropriate to their level. So uh, if a character mm-hmm. drinks a plasmid equal to their level, they gain that spell. So, say for example, level one, you might get a magic missile plasmid. Etc. Etc. Mm-hmm. I suppose what you're doing is you're translating it to something that RPGers are more used to, especially tabletop RPGers. Like especially a could... bunch of D and Ders. God, right. yeah. There you go. If you yeah. were like, they were like sci-fi. What? And then you play, run it like this. Mm. Yeah. 
you could easily have it like say act the same way but put the mechanics in exactly how you're doing but have the me- mechanics behind mm. it but say that it they are the plasmoids and plasmids and and all that stuff mm. but by just saying that they're potions they're it's a lot easier to understand especially if you're not familiar with the game this is partly why i enjoy running fantasy because everyone gets it straight away there's no high concept Mm -hmm. stuff in there so that's part of the reason i do enjoy it um but yeah and basically in this adam uh replaces experience points so if you harvest or Mm -hmm. rescue you get some xp and then leveling up will allow you access to better plasmids and and therefore better spells Simple as that. So good. basically, everyone's playing combat classes. In the case of old school essentials, it would be um, thieves, acrobats, assassins, monks, fighters, um, all, all these types of people. But they can yep. get powers, which will be really fucking yes. fun. Yes, and that's and that's the hook, isn't it? The fact that you start off as non-magic people, but you have the ability to become magic users through the playing of this game. Exactly. Cool. That's so, very cool. That's yeah. all I'd need as a punchline. If that was the tagline to get to someone like a GM trying to sell a game, it's like, right, you start off as new, like normal people, but by the end you'll probably be magic users. I'll be like, yeah, yeah I mean, please. Think about, think about <laughs> the last boss in Bioshock. Again, spoiler, but it turns yeah. out Atlas was um, subtly hypnotising oh, you the whole time yeah. to do everything he wanted. Yeah. And he's now a fucking super coinly. mutant because he's, he's <laughs> taken so many bloody plasmids. So think mm-hmm. about that. That super mutant plasmid dude that's like a big blue dude bamboozle he is uh, that's basically like a level 15 D character right i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um big daddies are going to be exactly the same they're just dwarven tech but i mean they already look pretty dwarven anyway so fuck it and mm-hmm. um to go about statting them i just I, I would do exactly the same as nick i just use the stats for a golem for big daddies for splices mm. i just use zombies but made them fast and for regular folk i just use the stats for normal folk in the book there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I see it seems like a cop out. But doing this allows you to make changes and be immune to continuity lawyers. Actually, that can't have happened because Frank Fontaine wasn't there at this time. So, yeah, suck my dick. <laughs> this is my, this isn't Bioshock. This is a fantasy world. Yeah. And, um, I just want to explain that, that I've done this before and had success with it because I did a, a campaign based on Earthbound in Call of Cthulhu, and, and Earthbound mm. is a is a is a game all about playing children and it's about loss of innocence, going on a big journey. It's mostly a comedy game with some dark elements, but um, one of the things about Earthbound is that, that there's these um, golden statues under this under the city that are making people act insane, and that's perfect for a Call of Cthulhu game. So that's what I fucking did. Oh, I adapted it to very Call good. Cthulhu. Get it? I finally understand where that came from. Mm. <laughs> Fuck me, man! That's amazing. So, that was uh, our first ever campaign. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, is that I can take all the elements of the thing I like, and I don't have to make it completely consistent with the games because that way uh, I can put my own twist in it. I can change things if I want, and people won't be disappointed that their their favourite shit isn't turning up. So. I don't know. Exactly. That's, that's the way I do it. That's the way I do it, especially for a game like that. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. So um, I just think I, I prefer to take the 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 whole idea and pass it off as something I made, basically. So yeah. No, no, it's great. It's good. It's a, it's a good way. I wanted to kind of make this episode to get that point across because people are, have such a misconception that, that like fucking look at the Savage Worlds Facebook group, right? The the biggest group of fucking idiots on the planet, right? And they. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, every week, every week. How, how many times a week do we see fucking? How, uh, somebody should savage this. Somebody should make this into a Savage Worlds game. And you're like, mate, you've got the fucking system right there to do it. It's way easier than you think. And and yet people that somebody just like, can be you. 
Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you don't need to put much work we in. Don't, the thing is, you don't need to savage it because that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it's like so you got savaged Fallout, yeah. which is probably the best savaging that exists. But the thing is, I it's think. not that far from core. If that didn't exist, you could not still easily play Fallout in Savage Worlds. Exactly. Yeah, you can. They've just done some extra tweaks and stuff to make it uh, perfect. And I think actually but, I'm going to mention yeah. I'm going to mention Bobby Evans now, all right? Oh god. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but actually to his credit, he does a series where he demonstrates in 10 minutes how you can uh savage something. He's done fucking My Little Pony, okay. he's done Star Wars, he's done The Mandalorian, and he just he's, he's his rule is that you can only use core to do it and he shows you how to do it. And to me, that's nice. that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, that's, it doesn't. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, it's a cool, it's Ooh. a cool series. That he's that he's done that. So I we want to um, see we want to see less. Someone should savage this, and more. I've savaged this. Yeah, or just. And this is how I did it. Because yeah, it's way easier than people. <laughs> we think. just put savage at the front, yeah. and that's it. It's done. <laughs> would it be worth? Um, would it be worth putting the link? Um, to that um, 10 minute savage thing uh, I might if he's got a playlist out there but me linking Bobby Evans is sort of an admission of defeat in my ongoing war with him so I don't know <laughs> well you can cut this out <laughs> ongoing war <laughs> I'm going to what I'll war. do is I'll just, yeah. I'll just bleep his name out there you go <laughs> okay. no that's Perfect. that's wrong I don't mind right. Bobby really but yeah James no, as, a, as a player play. and a one time DM who actually did do an adaptation there What's your, what kind of things do you want to see when you sit down to play a game and and uh, or what tips have you got there, James? Right, so um, I'm going to start from the top. And it's one of the first things Harrison actually mentioned. Um, if you are going to adapt something, and I learned this the hard way, um, <laughs> as my short stem is at the end, do not copy the full thing. Don't do that. Um, and obviously Baptism of Fire I had to go through it to understand it and like I said now that I've sort of sat um, well, to be honest I've sat as a player my entire um, RPG career so to speak but to see different systems and different GMs and stuff is, is pretty phenomenal it's still um, daunting to me but um, yeah uh, I'll pick up a campaign again at some point hey. um, but yeah it kind of in my opinion it depends what you're wanting to adapt and how if you want to adapt something for the story that the thing had in the first place um or if you wanted to adapt something just for the familiarity like you know that every single player you're gonna um do it for already know what it is and do you want them to just know everything about it already and have fun with that or do you want to take the story make it into something different and just sort of like play through the story arc or something, but kind of change everything. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that's like, cool. um, yeah, yeah. You two have said that. Um, well, you specifically, as Harrison, like you said that you've taken sort of elements and you've taken sort of a, a section, say, of like Earthbound and the Golden Statue and that section there. And then because you've just placed that bit in there, it has the same kind of um, story behind what the Golden Statue does. But because it's just that snippet, everything else. Is, is whatever but if you actually embedded it in and all of us players had played earthbound and all of us knew that that golden statue we knew everything it did then we could be like really just sit there and be like 
oh my god, this is awesome! I'm playing through this section of Earthbound, and like, it depends if you know that your player is going to well, enjoy that's that. That's just it, you know. It's, it, it's either if you're trying to use it as a story device simply to to be there, or if you're literally trying to go, okay, we're playing this, and everyone's familiar with it. Either works, really, I guess. Well, yeah, there's there's homage, isn't there? And then there's kind of using. So yeah, if you're exactly. like, yeah. like you said, like it's like Savage Mr. Bean. Everyone knows Mr. Bean. <laughs> you know, it's homage to Mr. Bean. We all know how that's gonna go. Somebody I used um, to work with said I look like Mr. Bean. I was fu- I was f- <laughs> shut what's up. annoying is Rowan Atkinson, he's he's actually somewhat handsome, but Mr. Bean, yeah. it's those stupid faces he pulls. People said I look like that. <laughs> Fuck me. Really knocked my confidence that did. Oh bless you! That was, no, that was also before I met my wife as well, and I I hadn't even spoken to a lady in about five years. So <laughs> horrible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, so, sorry. Carry on, James. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so one thing that um I've sort of noticed and I enjoy, and like I said, experience both ways, but mostly as a player, if you um like want to copy characters from things like um. I would say, again, it all goes to how you want to adapt it. But if you copy characteristics of characters, yeah, yeah, then that's a much better idea. But again, you know, if you want the familiarity, you can literally just completely copy a character, slap them in, and just know that the players are going to be like, oh, I know that person, and then they'll enjoy it. If you think I found, I found it, yeah. in my experience though, it's impossible not for, for players to not meta game when they know a character. Yeah, but there it, it, again, it, it literally just goes to um, like I know that you've built games for meta gamers. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you just shots, tackle that. You can tackle that. Ones. We've done it in D and D when we've had a hardened D and D player go, but that don't normally happen. In, and it's like, yeah, oh, that yeah, ain't that world, so, yeah. mate. That's a different world, buddy. So yeah, you know. The MC Monty on the mic, yes, yes I Yes, I was sitting in the gaff and I had no fucking clue Yes, I had to do something to do I think, um, obviously, because our format's been online for obvious reasons Nick's been able to use, like, really nice images as references Yeah um, And they really encapsulate and allow, you know, players to better imagine what's going on And, like, instead of, because you don't need it because it's online Because you can chuck pictures up um, you don't need to be immediately descriptive. But I think you've made a good point, though, because it, for these games, as popular as they are, and any books and any shit like that, you know, you're likely to be able to find cool shit to use as as, as aids. Obviously, let's come up with yeah. a different word for that, but at a table. Because uh, the other day, I, yeah. like I, was, I was just thinking about running a Resident Evil game, and I just, obviously, the full map of the first mansion is out there. Um, mm. And I, I bet you there's a full map of Rapture out there somewhere, and you know Destiny. Oh, Nick's got all these cool yeah. images of the game. They could be quite evocative, yeah. you know. Put them on an iPad or, or whatever, and just show people. All right, mm. this is what you're looking at. And yeah. it, it, because the game's got so much fucking material, it helps you to run a fucking it's game. All it's even easier. Totally. I mean, there's a few all, times that you've mm. done it, Harrison, and you as well, Nick. Like, because well, us, again, with the online format, you can just be like, "Give me a second. I'm just gonna. Here you go. This is what it looks like." Yeah, exactly. Um, but then, uh, you know, Harrison, you've done it where you've actually, you know, got a monster in a book and then you just put your hands over some of the words, the names, the combat rating or whatever it is you need to obfuscate and then you just go, there you go, looks like this. And then we're just like, oh, sweet, that's awesome. Or, yeah. oh my God, that's yeah, but scary. If, yeah. you're, if yeah. you're running fucking Bioshock, right, and you go, this is what you're fighting, but you've just taken my tip and started the golem and you go, you hold it up and you're like, but didn't you say it was a mech earlier? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> Don't ask questions, all right? 
I am the G- I am the master. Well, obviously, don't show pictures to what it isn't. <laughs> yeah, all that. that yeah, I mean, that's, that's our number idea. one tip of the day. Don't show <laughs> what it isn't. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, like. You know, like it was, it was touched on earlier, I think yeah, system choice is a very, very important mm. thing. You mentioned about Savage Worlds being, uh, fuck, sorry, not Savage Worlds. I just read what I wrote. Um, <laughs> Batman being used um, in in Call of Cthulhu and how the it, mechanics didn't work very well because of combat. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, personally, I'd use Savage Worlds because mm. in the Batman system. Especially how we were playing it, we were technically trying to be heroes as well. Oh yeah, exactly. And because of the exploding dice that um, Savage Worlds has, I think it's a really, really good system to use. Hundred percent. Because it means that you have the ability to do a lot better than you otherwise are normally capable. Especially for it's a a good fit for a superhero game, right? It really is. I mean, Aliens versus Rednecks uses the superhero um, powers straight from core. Um, mm-hmm. And it feels good, especially for street level type, you know, which is oh, what yeah. we were doing in oh, the Batman yeah. game. And that Batman game was pretty yeah, badly uh, made all over because my character, Man Man, beat Superman. <laughs> How the fuck does that work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just because of the roles he beat Superman. That's so the thing funny. is, Call of Cthulhu isn't made for making Superman. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so, no it's not. I mean, Unless Superman is a dark elder god from another dimension. Well, that's what he should have been, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. fucking hell. It was, it was oh, yeah, insane. Yeah, it would have made more sense. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we just, now I will show you my true but form. A guy, who's, a guy whose power was being boring beat him in a straight-up fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we've been talking about monsters and stuff. Um, I think it'd be a really good idea as a player. It's really fun to see and witness different monsters and encounters... So, you know, you've got like, um, you know, well, in any right, sort of game, here's, here's a good example adapted. fucking Fallout, man. Fallout, Go on. how many times do you fight raiders yeah. or geckos or whatever, right? And then, so, so all you need to do <laughs> yeah. to fix that fucking problem, I'm just going over to my shelf here. I've got a twisted menagerie manual. Get a good fucking monster manual. Oh. This is for American uh, survival guide, right? So, we've got a piranha mm-hmm. newt. In fact, there's a whole section on newts, menfish. We got a crab, <laughs> which is a crab with a bunch of speakers attached to it. Dragon robot, Doom Riders. <laughs> We've got the tri lobster, the tri lobster raptor, and a psychic. There's a psychic dinosaur called a Cytheratops. <laughs> Very oh, good, amazing. That's fucking sick. So that is it. Yeah, literally that. Um, have lots of things up your sleeve that you can just slap in anywhere, and it would. It, it, it you know depends what it is you're adapting. But make sure it. it yeah, because uh, something like fucking uh, King Killer Chronicles or Lord of the Rings or uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, all these things already have loads of different shit to fight. But if you're adapting a video game specifically or a movie, typically the be- bestiary and those things is going to be quite shallow because those games are really difficult to make and movies are short. So, the, you know, I would say just. I agree completely wholeheartedly with James. You've got an opportunity to put monsters in there you think should be in the fucking thing, so you get to do yeah, that. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I would say as well, another thing to, to, to consider would be that if it's quite a popular medium, i.e., I don't know, a video game that's quite popular or whatever, there's going to be fan stuff all over the internet, which is probably images that you'd never even conceive within the video game someone sat there and drawn. And that can give you inspiration as well. 
it definitely fan art pages as well but i mean mm. you've got to be careful when it comes to fan stuff because uh, yeah might, that's true <laughs> i mean especially when you you look on deviant art you can find some cool images to use in your game but you can also find some pretty horrific stuff like yes. the other day the other day i, I was searching because i was wondering you know like wario means bad mario and there's waluigi <laughs> right and i just thought yes. is there such a i bet somebody's made wasonic and I, I fucking googled it. I'm like, oh god, it's so stupid. This fucking image of Wasonic that somebody's made. Wasonic. But yeah. Anyway, my point is, is that yeah, just <laughs> that was be, horrible. Be, be careful. Be careful out there. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. But yeah, tread tread lightly on DeviantArt. <laughs> I didn't become a little bit of a slag. I became a total slag. The thing is, I think what we've done here today is we've come up with a lot of really good tips. We've got what players like to see in a game. We've got James's tips. We've got mine and Nick's tips. And we've shown you... I could, I could literally start a fucking Bioshock campaign tomorrow with no prep. It's that fucking easy. Mm. But people mm-hmm. think it's hard, and it really isn't. Wasn't the funniest episode we've ever done, but never mind. You know, we try it oh, sometimes. No, it's good. No, we've look. We got more. We got some shit coming up. All right, guys, we're gonna all have right, a laugh. All right, all <laughs> you know, right. a laugh. <laughs> anyway, that is it. If you've got any um, tips on how you would adapt something, or any of your tips, or any of the things you like to see when something's adapted, then email mm-hmm. it in to three um, trpgpod at gmail or comment on the episode or whatever, and we will read them out in feedback next time. But for now, <laughs> shall we do some electro letters? Let us, please. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. So, we asked you guys, you have to create a new monster for an RPG, but there's one rule. It has to be bloody stupid. What is your monster and why? I think the first one comes in, knocks out of the park. It's David Porter. He says, a Maxator, a giant, nigh-invincible bull with a man's head, whose only weakness is that it's really terrible at mazes. Why? <laughs> because sometimes you get the shit end of the genetic stick. <laughs> okay. De- definitely going to have to rip that one off. I mean, just imagine seeing that fucking thing. Oh, b- mate. I hear there's a Minotaur in this maze, but it's the other way around. Or uh, imagine like a, a centaur, <laughs> but it's... You know, human bottom half, horse head, but it's the same size. It'd be really top I heavy. Saw, I see a funny meme the other day where it was like, um, oh, what was it now? It was stupid, but it was like um, a minotaur had, had had a baby with a, a with a with a with a mermaid, but the, the the offspring had obviously got the both human ends, so it just come out human. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, Daniel Irwin, he comes in with uh, the reversinant, like a revenant, but in reverse. Time around it goes backwards, so you have to hit it to undo damage until it's fully healed, at which point it tips its hat to you and goes on its way. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. That is very good. Mysajek Zatoiwak, he did say, stop trying to pronounce my name and just call him Joe. So Joe comes in and he says, imagine a giant with a fly's head, like a little dot on a large neck. <laughs> I love that one. I love that one so much. Just, just shaking is, its hands. It's like, is it talking or what? <laughs> Whenever you're trying to uh, fight a giant, though, what do people do? They always go, right, I'm going to run up it, stab it in the eye. Yeah, good luck finding its head, fucko. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't be able to see past its own chest. <laughs> uh, it neck. It's, it's actually weird thinking about it. it. Its neck would be triangular. It would go to a point. Going to the point. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Yeah. that's so gross. Richard Wilcock, <laughs> he says a giant chicken because sometimes wishes go wrong. And yes. this is from uh, one of his his sessions that he I, we actually got to play in once, which was yes. like a dream come true. And he um, yes, it was starstruck. Yeah, he, he basically there was this guy that had wished for three things, and one of them was he, he wished for a, a giant cock, and uh, then we had to fight a giant chicken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. Henrik Erlandson, he says a vegan ogre, not interested in fighting, but rather forcefully tells about the benefits of broccoli, nuts, and power berries. <laughs> Have I told you about power berries? No, but listen. Can you please? Can you please move out of the way of the door? No. He just stands there, blocking the way in the dungeon. And he's like, no, wait. Vaping. You know, there's as much iron in spinach as there is in a steak. Celery is actually a negative calorie. Do you like my vape? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Rob, um, Robert Woford. He says the Robert Plant. Isn't he a guitarist? um, Robert Plant I don't know but anyway Seed Pods open to reveal various Roberts doing their thing Yeah I mean Uh it fits the room it is bloody stupid I mean imagine you you just open a plant a bunch of little guys run out suddenly they're uh, and also being attacked by like like 50 different no actually you know how plants pollinate by getting blown by wind maybe it does that (laughs) and suddenly there's a bunch of them just floating towards you with daggers in little Roberts that's pretty good actually I'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> um, Owen Lean's one, and when he comes in with, he just says Dave. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Owen. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, we received, we actually um, received our first ever picture submission for this one. Oh yeah! <laughs> so I'm looking, I'm looking at an image here from Terry Hansen. Um, it's a picture of Godzilla, but it's got a woman's head, and it says Karenzilla is back. You are rude. Give me discount or else. And then somebody's replying, "Are you serious?" Yes. Mm. A Karen, Karen Zilla. This, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think we should have specified that this should work in the game because the vegan ogre, classic Robert Plant, fucking awesome. Giant with Dave definitely works. Dave. <laughs> it's all of these are good, but the Karen Zilla. I don't know, man. I don't, a Karen, it wouldn't be able to fit into a Walmart to argue about. Or maybe it tears the top <laughs> off the building and then asks for yeah, a discount. Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, then it asks for a discount. We got a couple of general questions that came in. Richard yeah. Wilcock, he says, Question one. You play a literal game of dice with death and win. As a reward, death offers you a full set of polyhedral dice carved from the bones of any deceased human of your choice. It's a magical reward, so it doesn't matter if they died thousands of years ago or were cremated, etc. Who do you choose? And I've got to be honest, I think I'm realising... This podcast is making me realising what type of guy I am because I immediately thought Hitler. <laughs> just, just, no, not because I like him or I like his style. Um, but what I'm saying is is that if there was any boasting rights that you had Hitler's bones as your dice, I mean, that's that's good boasting rights, isn't it? That is pretty good. That Would is you really want good. like a good guy's bones? Cause well, evil... no, because I suppose, I suppose if it's Hitler, it's almost as if you're like, <laughs> look at you now. You do yeah, my exactly. bidding. Yeah. You're, you're literally my plaything now, right? <laughs> what if you're somebody you really cr- respect, you're like, every time you roll the dice, you're like, sorry. Sorry, sorry Elvis. Uh, oh, He'd be true. so mad if you get one. Yeah, so I'm going with Hitler. Or Jesus. Good. Okay. Both sides are the same coin, really. All right, fair play, fair play. I would probably uh, I would probably give um, 
whoever makes them crap Cthulhu dice a run for their money and just get old H.P. Lovecraft's bones. They'd be pretty twisted, wouldn't they? H.P. Lovecraft, that's pretty good. I'm surprised you didn't go for David Bowie, Nick. The old Eldritch bones. Well, yeah, they'd be good, but um, they'd probably be really sparkly. Couldn't see the yeah, number on them very well. They would be those types of unreadable dice, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. It's got Rainbow like a dice. fucking um, like a lightning bolt painted across it or something. Yeah. You know, so um, one of my favourite set of dice that I've ever used um, was on a virtual tabletop, and it was the Shrek dice. That whenever you rolled it, it went somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking maybe maybe each each um, uh, each dice that you get comes with a sound clip. You know, every That'd time you roll nice. it. And Hitler's would be like, nine! <laughs> well, if you roll a nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every time you roll a nine. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's good. James, how about you? Um, I'd probably go for Einstein on the hope that when I roll them, I get smart. Oh. I get smart. I love the get way smart. you put that. Yeah, okay. Einstein's, you know, because it's all about picking somebody that's like really famous because you can't you it's got yeah. you can't be like oh my dead granddad no i don't think that's what he'd want but hitler no yeah he's been it's like oh damn you you bitch roll me will you his um yeah his soundbite is like fancy a word that's original <laughs> thanks so people won't know what they are <laughs> <laughs> well suck my farts well suck my words okay <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly mm. question <laughs> two Death explains that the soul of the deceased person will be imprisoned within the dice and their tortured... I should have read this beforehand. Ghostly <laughs> voice will scream the results of your dice rolls. I'm sticking with Hitler in that case. Would you stick to your original choice or would you rather have a different donor for the dice? No. No, I think HP Lovecraft Because we've already love discussed that. that Hitler announcing the dice rolls. Nine! Nine! Eins! <laughs> um, you just sit there the whole time. Just, just, just <laughs> See, the thing is, with your guys' choices, you don't really know what HP Lovecraft and Einstein sound like. So it could be... It could be fucking horrible. What if H.P. Uh, uh, Lovecraft sounds a bit like that? And he's like, every time you're always like, <coughs> one. It was an unfathomable one. Well, if Einstein had the lowest voice on the uh, on on the frequency scale ever known to man. He shook the fucking table. He's not Barry White. Yeah, he'd, be, he'd be like, one. It's like when people bass boost shit. That's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you know what? Actually, oh, oh, yeah. no, she's still alive. But what about Cat Slater from fucking um, EastEnders with that? I became a total slag. <laughs> That's when you get twenty. <laughs> I became a total slag. <laughs> yes <laughs> love it well that's definitely going to be a jingle for this episode um, alright we got another um, general question from Matt Chazite Kayak he says could you tell something about the Warhammer Roleplay first edition in my country Poland it is idolised as the first and best RPG experience people had now it's more of a running joke in a community but still big number of people play it and don't convert to second third or even fourth edition not to mention switching to modern games I wonder how this game was received in other parts of the world and there, were there any other cases where D&D wasn't the first game printed in a language making other systems synonymous to RPG in a country? Well, well, <laughs> a, a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay wasn't a big deal. Every single fucker in school when we were growing up knew what Warhammer was yeah. but because of a war game. Mm-hmm. we The, the roleplaying yeah. wasn't a thing at all. No. Like, we didn't even know it fucking existed and it's still to this day. Even our... Even our parents in that generation knew what Warhammer was because it was all about, uh, at least to them, it was all about painting yep. the minis. Yeah, to what D&D was in America, where it's associated with nerds. Everyone knows what it is, but it's only really nerds that, that play it. That was Warhammer uh, Games fantasy battles. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it wasn't a big deal at all. I didn't even know it existed until 
I became an adult and and played it with you and and Eric, um, Nick. And it was the best. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, if you want grim dark, that is why it's so good. It's awesome. And and you know the minis available available for it are really fucking nice. Mm-hmm. But way too expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. And as far as I know, I, I can think of one other example where D and D isn't synonymous with with role playing. Um, and in Japan, I don't know why. Actually, I can think of two. Um, but in Japan, I don't know why. But D and D it did get picked up, and it is quite popular. But Sword World, Tunnels and Trolls, and Call of Cthulhu still outrank it massively. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, is it, and isn't there awesome. a German game called? Is it the Eye? Um, the Dark Eye. That's it. The Schwarzalgen. That's yes. a big game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and as far as I know, that that and Shadow Run sort of came up before D and D. I might be wrong there, but I, I think that's the case because I, I remember our friend Manuel telling us that. Mm, that's it, exactly that. Yeah, and I think there's a Spanish game that's popular in uh, Spanish role playing game. I can't remember now. I might be misremembering, but I'm um, sure there is. Excuse me. I think you mean Juego de Rol. <laughs> What's that? Is that it? <laughs> it just it just means role playing game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, it. I think there was there was there was a Spanish uh, role playing game called El Gigante Pene. Giant what penis? Yeah, uh, sorry. Very good. Right, that's it. Immaturity <laughs> has taken over. Let's do an outro. Okay. Thank you very much for your letters, okay, everyone. And uh, yeah, some really great questions, especially the general ones. Really enjoyed answering those. Um, and we will see you in the outro. So um, yes, one of our favourite things is the medieval blood sport. Cockfighting. All right, so um, if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon. Just search up for 3T RPG Podcast on there. And if you want to donate at the $10,000 level, that's fine. <laughs> you can do we that. Love you, you can do that. You want to become a god, that's the only way currently. Yeah. So please do. Um, products, we've got stuff out on Drive-Thru RPG, uh, 3T RPG Publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got three adventures there. We're going to have more after the corona's happened. Yep. And uh, contacts-wise, you can contact us on 3TRPGpod at gmail.com. Or and all the social uh, medias. That's correct. All right. That's it. <laughs> all right, then. For another show. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> right. I'm off to cut the grass. Oh. Right. I have been Harrison Hunt. I have been Nick Lamley. And I have been James Clark. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. Hey. Hey.